2: It was nearly like looking back on a time that seemed so long ago. It was completely different. All my friends were sitting around in a circle and something was obviously wrong. And one of my friends, Jason, got up and I said, what's wrong? And he said, did you see the paper? And I said, no. He goes, I'm really sorry, man.
3: This week on the podcast, we are joined by an old friend of mine, Ali Skihan, to talk about his dear friend, Neve O'Herlihy, who was tragically killed in a car accident in 1999. He talks so beautifully about his friend, Neve. Um, remembers her still... In such a wonderful way, and has stayed so close with her family over the years, something that I think is so important. And we have a great conversation about how time has changed so much, how things have changed so much since 1999. And um, it was a great chat, and it was wonderful to have Ollie on the podcast. Anniversaries are something that Venetia and I have spoken a lot about on several episodes of the podcast so far. They can spark a huge range of emotion and often bring back a lot of sad and difficult memories. In October 1999, Neve O'Herlihy was traveling in a car with her sister Anita and two other passengers when they were involved in a tragic and fatal car accident that shocked the country to its core. This Sunday will mark the 20-year anniversary of their death, and we are joined in studio with Ali Skihan to talk about his memories of Neve, who was one of his best friends at the time. Thank you for joining us, Ali. You're welcome. Um, I love starting off the episodes just asking about who the person was, and who Neve was to you, and how you
1: guys knew each other.
2: I started in Griffith College in Dublin in 1997, studying journalism and media communications. Uh, there was about 30, I'd say, in the class, and Neve was from Cork. And I think I met her after a few days, and she was kind of hard enough to not see or hear. She was a bit of a force of nature. She was tall. She was quite glamorous. She had a mane of hair. She had a lovely Cork accent, uh, so she kind of stood out, I suppose. And then as it transpired, then the class kind of split into two. Not long after, there was kind of the countryside and then the city side. <laughs> but she kind of transcended both, both sides, awesome. so she wasn't afraid of anybody, whether you were good or bad, or she just kind of talked to you, and she just got on with it. So we kind of hit it off quite easily, and uh, she was a real joy to be around. And she was always up for the chats and singing and doing all sorts. of She was a bit of a, she was a bit of crack.
1: And that's such an important time to meet people. I also studied in Griffith College at a different time, but I met my very best friend, Anna Leary, in a similar setting. And it was just instant. It was like one of those things where you're thrown together in this environment where you're just like put together to do all these things. And you become close really fast. And you talk about things that probably you hadn't talked to anyone else about. Maybe because you've moved away from home and you can be free to be yourselves a little bit. Did you have that where you kind of were in a different phase of your life?
2: Yeah, at the time I was actually going out with a girl who was a good bit older than me. So she was kind of like a mother figure for me in Dublin, which was looking back on it is really bizarre. So in a way, Neve, even though we ended up being really close friends and like people would have thought we were probably going out, uh, we, we actually weren't going out, we were just kind of hanging around a lot. Mm. So I suppose like for the first year I was kind of not in the space where I was kind of meeting an awful lot of people as much as I should have been because I was kind of trying to get home to have apple tart and tea and all sorts of these boring (laughs) things and uh neve she was always there and because tip and cork i suppose like we were there was a bit of rivalry between us in terms of the GEA. and i knew her dad was mad into the GEA, so like we were always slagging about that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff so it was easy to gravitate towards her for me anyway it would have been a no-brainer if i had to pick anyone out of the class it probably would have been her Yeah. yeah so but like she was um yeah she was easy to be around
1: was it hard for her to be away from home, do you think? Was that something you guys ever talked about? Because I know that can be hard for people when they come up to live in a big uh, city.
2: Yeah, she was a real homebird, as much as myself. I remember we used to get one of those really old orange, air and air trains that were like orange and black, like just chug, chug, chugged along. And just be these massive green sticky seats on them. And then we used to be all sorts of people going down on a Friday evening down on the train. So like it was funny going down home, but we always loved going down home, the two of us. And then I suppose we weren't actually friends that long. And she asked me to go to a wedding with her And I think I went to another one after that then as well. So um, I got to meet all her family and like I'm still like would be still really good friends with her parents even to this day. Yeah.
1: And that's something that from listening to there was a documentary made, a radio documentary made about the girls that I listened to this morning, actually, in preparation for the podcast. And it's very clear how loved these girls were and how close a relationship they must have had with their family. Bring us back a little bit because, you know, one of the things that struck me from listening to the documentary and just that 1999 was a different world. It was a different
2: universe. 100%. And this is something that's really yeah been on my mind for the last few days. So when I approached you about doing yeah. this, uh, I was thinking about like, so it's always the grief of like Neve dying and the grief that follows. But as I thought about it more, it felt like it was nearly like looking back on a time that seems so long ago. It was mm-hmm. completely different. The girls died on... It was a Wednesday evening at around five o'clock. So like if that happened today, you'd find out like nearly yeah. instantaneously mm-hmm. that something had happened. Your friends would let you know or you'd see it somewhere. Yeah. Or you, even if you didn't want to find out, you'd you would, yeah. you'd find out. So I remember on the Thursday morning going into college and I was staying with a friend on Patrick Street and I had to walk up maybe 20 minutes walk to uh, to college and I had 50 pounds in my pocket or wallet and I don't know why, but I must have been at home that weekend and my mother must have given mm. me £50 for something. Get I don't you know what it was. Week or something. Yeah. yeah, which would have been a big amount yeah, yeah. of money for a student at that time. Like, I was so worried about breaking the £50. This is my worry leaving the house, yeah. going to college. of Breaking the £50 and how, what would people think of me in this Showing filling in station shop, yeah. if I said, can I have a packet of chewing gum? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you £50 at yeah. quarter to nine in the morning. So I didn't go into any of the shops along the way. I could have bought the paper easily and yeah. I didn't. And I kept going, and I got to college and all my friends were sitting around in a circle and something was obviously wrong. And one of my friends, Jason, got up and I said, what's wrong? And he said, did you see the paper? And I said, no. And he goes, I'm really sorry, man. And he was just plastered across two or three of the papers. Yeah. So like thinking back on it, if I would bought the paper on the way, I would have seen it. And I don't even know how I would have reacted then because you would have to go into a phone box to ring someone. You wouldn't
3: have had support. That instant,
1: yeah. I would been completely yeah, on like, my own yeah. on the
2: street, yeah, outside some filling yeah. station.
1: And I mean, for people who don't know, Neve and her sister, Anita, um, and their friend and her daughter, they they all died in a car accident. Mm. Obviously, a very bad car accident. Mm. So it obviously shook the area where they live to its core. This is like such a huge loss. Oh, yeah. But... Like you said, experiencing all of that in a completely different time. How did you communicate with her family after that? Did you guys travel down to... How did all that part...
2: When I was trying to write down some notes for this interview, the word blur kept coming up over and over and over again. I was like, how do I not remember that? Yeah. How do I not have like a really strong visualization of what neve looked like? Yeah. Like I can hear her in my ear. I can hear <laughs> her giving out. I can hear her singing. Yeah, sometimes when I go into like a church or something like that, like and I light a candle, if I'm looking for someone to kind of keep an eye on me or to tell me, kind of put me on the straight and narrow. I kind of yeah. like handle her because I can hear her kind of going, don't be so stupid, like you yeah. langer or whatever, like she'd call me like whatever. she'd like, You're such a fool or whatever. So like after I found out my next memory was going across the road. And there was a spar across the road and there was a phone box beside it. And I think I rang my parents and a couple of other people and came out of the phone box. And one of my best friends, Tony, was outside. And I just broke down and he just kind of embraced me. And after that, it really is a complete blur. I presume somebody in the college spoke to us or we or we definitely spoke amongst ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then the next memory was traveling down. On, so they died Wednesday evening and the, the mass was on Friday evening. So they were laid out in their own front room in their house. Well, I think about seven of us drove down in one car and I don't remember speaking the whole way down but I remember about an hour from because I'd been down there a few times before so I knew where we were going about an hour from the house you could see these signs on the road like you'd see now for weddings Oh Hurley oh, Funeral yeah. Oh Hurlihy Funeral yeah. Go this Just because so they, many people were they coming They were just yeah. so well known they yeah. just anticipated it was going to be such yeah. a crowd and I, I, at that stage it kind of dawned me that this is not like your yeah. standard funeral and the weather was quite bad and took us ages to find somewhere to park near the house and then I remember not wanting to get out of the car because I knew what was going to confront me in the house and it was just all this kind of whirl of emotions going on yeah it's so
1: interesting that you say that you don't remember it that well and yet when you start talking about it yeah <laughs> it's quite clear that there are details and I think one of the things that anyone who's experienced grief sorry for everyone I have a cold I should just point that out before we continue this episode um, but almost everyone who's experienced loss or grief has that detailed memory and it can be scattered details, but there's always these these hyper zoom in moments of not being able to find a parking space Mm. or being afraid to get out of the car. I mean, it's 20 years later. I know it seems like you're saying, Oh, it seems blurry, but the fact that you can remember not wanting to get out of the car, you Mm. can remember the road signs. Mm. That's actually very vivid detail because these are the things that shape us. They shake us so much to our core that they change kind of Mm. the course of, of everything. And I can imagine When four people lose their lives so young, it had to change your view of the world a little bit because you were young yourself and death had probably not been something that had been a huge part of your life up until then.
2: No, prior to that, I would have had some family die, like grandparents and stuff, like that, but I was probably too young for it to really land with me. But I remember I was about 15 or 16 and I was in a folk group at home in Thurles, And one of my friends, Johnny and myself, were kind of really enamoured with this guy called Sam. And he played guitar in the folk group and he knew all these bands and he had all these CDs and albums and he knew all about all this music that we never had ever heard of. Something like Counting Crows. we have yeah. never heard of Counting Crows and he gave us like this CD for the week and we'd see him again on Saturday. But maybe six months after we joined the folk group, he, he killed himself. Oh God. Yeah, so like that was the first time that we kind of experienced something outside of family, I suppose. Yeah. And we kind of went like... Oh my god, like why why how did that happen or why did that happen? I remember being pulled out of class by the principal and saying, like, Johnny and Ollie, can I just want to talk to me? We we're like, Oh we're in trouble, what did we do? Yeah. We couldn't remember what we did and he just said Sam has, has died and Sam used to pass me every morning as I walked to school he'd a white BMW. He used to flash the lights <laughs> at me nearly every morning at the same spot yeah. and kind of beep and then for him not to be there. But I suppose outside of that, this was the first time that to me it seemed like I was nineteen, maybe. It seemed to me like overwhelming grief, like just on a different, completely different level Mm -hmm. to anything I've probably experienced even since. Yeah, that there was so many people that had such an impact on from like kids up to like the elders of the community. Do you know what I mean? Like priests, everybody, like people in the music industry, everything like they were in a band, you know, they were. I think they were going to be quite successful. Um, Niamh would tell you they were going to be anyway, that's for sure. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so like overwhelming grief. Yeah. And it's something that I've often thought about in the 20 years since, like whatever about me, but like her parents, how how do you even or is there a moment in time where you kind of go, I'm not grieving anymore, I'm sure there isn't like I'm a parent myself now and even now, the loss of a child is just un- unthinkable Yeah. Was, no matter what um, age
1: I was thinking about you this morning when I was listening to the radio documentary because you can hear the parents voices her, her parents voices and I cried like three or four times in the short period of time I was listening to it because just what you said when you have children it's the unimaginable it's mm. the place you just can't even la- mm. you can't allow yourself to even go I remember somebody saying to me one time I was talking about something in the news that was a difficult story around a child and I didn't have children at the time and the person said they were, were a parent and they said actually I'm going to stop you there and I remember thinking that they were really insensitive and they just were lacked empathy yeah. because what they were saying and now I completely understand was like I'm actually so empathetic to the idea of losing a child that I actually don't want to hear anymore because it, it hurts to mm. think of any parent. Mm. It hurts. To, it does. It actually hurts to think of any parent losing mm. their children. Mm. Um, You can feel it mm. because you know how much you love your own and you know yeah. how much they love theirs. Yeah.
2: So to think that they lost, Yeah. their Hurley family lost. Yeah. There was two daughters, like fabulous in every way. Daughters yeah. pulled out of a family of five. Yeah. yeah. There was no rhyme nor reason to it really. Like, yeah. you know, and like my own son, who's four, started in school recently, and it's been like a rocky enough kind of not rocky like, but like he's trying to find his feet and everything yeah. like. But you're so protective of them, like, yeah. and your parental instincts really come out when you feel that like they're under threat, or if they're a little bit sick, or they're not course, able to yeah. defend themselves. Like whatever you felt up to that point, when they're out in the big bad world and they're roaming, I think your parenting kind of changes, goes up a gear, because yeah. you kind of go. I can't be around them all All the time. time.
1: Yeah, of course, that's that change. Yeah, Yeah.
2: so I can't be there watching them in the yard or holding their hand. You just kind of have to hope that they'll be okay.
1: And how hard it is to get that call. Obviously, you can hear in their voices. You kept in contact with their family, Mm. which must mean so much to them, I imagine, because I know for me, when it comes to my parents, the people that keep in touch and the people that still talk about memories Mm. that send little things or to say the person's name. I love that you're saying her name and you're talking about her like she's still here. Mm. You can hear her voice. Those are the the most healing things that a person who's grieving, I think, could ever Mm. hear. What's it like keeping that relationship going with that? Has it been something that's helped you? Oh, it's been
2: so easy. Like after the girls died, like they were in a band called Navita and the family set up a foundation called the Navita Foundation. And out of that came this song contests for young and aspiring artists for about five or six years, I think, maybe. And it was this huge event in this massive marquee in a tiny little village called Churchtown down in Cork. And I think it was about the second or third year of it. And myself and one of my friends in particular, Michelle, who was best friends with Eve as well, we would always find our way down to Cork to help out over that few days, whether it be like testing the Guinness or something like that for Liam, doing (laughs) doing like these really difficult tasks. yeah, Yeah, or doing stuff like that. But I remember after one of the song contests and he was kind of doing his speeches at the end and thanking everybody. I remember him looking down at the end and he said something like, um, I never thought that these people and they know who they are at the back of the hall would ever still be in our lives. But they are. Yeah. And we were completely broke down because we were really. like, But you're like, it's so easy for us. To, well, there's no yeah. way we wouldn't be here, you know, yeah. because we could just imagine like Neve up above kind of kind of going, why are you not on the train? Why yeah. are you not down with my dad helping them out or yeah. still being part of their life? It's been so easy. Like they're amazing people. They've suffered unspeakable loss. Uh, but yeah, they just they just got through it, I suppose. Like you just I suppose you just have yeah. to kinda of keep going. But I know I, I know for sure that they've got huge solace from people staying in yeah. touch with them and remembering them as you say, like and talking about them like mm-hmm. they're still around.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods Especially with
1: pain that is that severe, like of losing two young people, you know, just having those people be gone. Society doesn't deal too well with pain because it rubs, you know, I've been, this is something that like long before we started this podcast, it's something that I've been really fascinated by is how we deal with pain when we're confronted by it, when it's not our own, actually, when it's someone else's and they say, I'm sad or I'm depressed or I'm grieving or any of those things or I'm still sad like I've lost my you know let's say it's been five years and somebody calls they're still sad and they're not, they haven't moved and we feel this temptation to push them forward or tell them that it's okay and that mm. they'll be fine and just stop because mm. it's making us so uncomfortable that mm. we can't fix it. Yeah. You know and that's the hardest thing is to just let the person live in it yeah. and accept the fact that 20 years later we'll still be sad and that's okay.
2: And that's okay to be sad. I was starting to lean recently Neve's dad and I think he was going to a wedding that weekend or something and he said something like when Niamh was alive anytime he ever was getting ready for a wedding his tie would be always tied the wrong way she'd be given out he'd have the wrong suit on or the wrong shirt I remember him kind of breaking down a little bit on the phone to me kind of going like I, I'd give anything to hear her say yeah. it one more time yeah. you're wearing the wrong tie <laughs> or what yeah. are they the shoes you're wearing or yeah. like look at your hair or something like that like it's just yeah. the, the longing I think is Not speaking on behalf of Neve's parents, but I think it's the longing to kind of hold them one more time or talk to them one more time or just be in the space with them and then just kind of make sure they knew how much they were loved, which I'm sure they do. Yeah, Yeah.
1: that can be a very hard one to make peace with that Mm. people struggle with is did they know they were loved? And Mm. oftentimes, of course, they did, but we still go through it in our minds. But I think that's really important that what you're saying, because I think. The best gift that we can give people is let them when they say, oh, I wish she was still here to, to you know, to fix the tie that, that the person there that's with them can say, yeah, I do too. Mm. Wouldn't it be so much better if she yeah. was here?
2: Like nearly sit with them and kind of go. And yeah. Just like,
1: yeah, like appreciate it <laughs> instead of trying to just say, well, you know, the bright side and looking for these things and a lot of, you know, mm. that but just people tend to do it out of being uncomfortable, mm. actually. Yeah. <laughs> More than anything. Yeah. Um, but. We were talking a little bit about the years that the world has changed just so dramatically. Do people remember the girls' memories now in a different way than they did then? Like, is that something that's sort of cropped up now?
2: It's quite hard to find anything about them online now, except the accident itself and the few days that followed. Yeah, like prior to the accident, I think the band was together maybe six months or a year, but they had recorded a song in memory of the victims of the Dunblane massacre called yep. Seventeen Candles, which got a good bit of airplay in Scotland, I mm-hmm. think, and stuff. So there was kind of a, a hint that they were on the right track in terms of their music career. But as you said, like at the very start, like it was on the very cusp yeah, of, of all that happening. 1999. Yeah. You know, we had a lecture in college and he t- came into us one day and he said, like, do any of you know what Ireland dot com is? And we were like, no, at the time it was the Irish Times website. It was the URL for the Irish I Times know, website. My
1: email address was Sasha at
2: Ireland dot com. Yeah. And he had a mobile phone. And he remember him very proudly putting it up on the desk one day saying, watch this. And we were all like, what are you doing? And whatever he did, he made the phone vibrate and it moved around the desk. And we were like, this yeah. is a new world. Mm. And we we're about to Little go did into we it. Know. Yeah, exactly. Little did <laughs> yeah. we know, exactly. Like It just seems so long ago, like everything changed so quickly. Does that yeah. mean
1: you don't have many pictures of Neve?
2: Yeah, my mom was on to me during the week. And she said, I have all the cuttings from the paper yeah. over those few days. And she has like, the girls would have had loads of CDs and cassettes okay. and like little bookmarks of their memorial cards yeah. and stuff like that. Like. And she said, Well I send them up to you in the post. And I said, don't you dare. I said, if you want to hold on to them, I'll see. when I see I'll take them off yeah. you in person because they'd probably go yeah. missing. So like, yeah, that's the thing. Looking back at it, it seemed a much... I'm trying not to sound like real owlglad now, like but like it seemed like a much simpler time, like it was. Yeah. Like, I actually think it. there's
1: a real preciousness about it. I mean I know we're both as old as each other, so like maybe we are just being old. But um I think the reality is is that it was less complicated and it was precious because Certain things felt a little bit more like safe, like there Mm. were places you could be Mm. where they weren't constantly followed around by your anxiety or your Mm. fears or your, you know, the one thing that strikes me so much is when people talk about kids going home from school, which both of us will obviously face. And it's like they never really get to go home anymore. There's always this pressure pressure around Mm. them. And Mm. I think back when you and I were kind of growing up and stuff, you could go out and have a great time and be with your friends and then close the door in your bedsit or your apartment or wherever you lived and you were kind of separate
2: from everything and that's changed so much. And I think if the same accident happened now as well meaning as people would be like it would just be plastered absolutely everywhere. everywhere. You wouldn't be able to get away from it which I think in a way distills the actual I think maybe people get caught up in all the emotion of like oh I better say something or share something or acknowledge something whereas like Everything that we experienced when they died, as a group of friends in college and that kind of thing, we experienced it. It was really raw. You yeah. know, there was no distractions. Yeah, we didn't even. You have You could a phone. actually like sit in you your sat feelings. In it. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. I even wonder when it comes to grief about those distractions and whether or not they're helpful to us in the process of learning to deal with something Mm. probably not ultimately Mm. because you can so easily divert your attention or move your emotions to something else Mm. you know to kind of keep
2: running away from things i think with grief you just kind of have to nearly wrap your arms around it a bit and kind of meet it head on i think and that would certainly be the way i would or have because you were saying earlier on about it being uncomfortable maybe to talk about it and stuff like, that. but like that's never a feeling I had with regard to the O'Hurley family. Yeah. They always were happy to sit and mem- remember and laugh and cry. And like to be honest with you, like laughing was something that kind of oh. permeated the whole thing, even when it was sadness, it was still you might be sad and think like, God, I miss them so much, but then you'd have yeah. a memory of remember when they did this or did that yeah. and it just turned into like a lovely memory, you know, yeah. you'd never be kind of sobbing in the corner, no. you know, and that
1: laughter is like, it's the stuff that like heals us. It's the moments of real connection. Mm. It's the things you never forget. It's, mm. And it could be like something that would absolutely not be funny in any other circumstance, mm. in any other universe. But in mm. that moment, oftentimes in a church at a funeral like in ac- the actual Absolutely. moment of yeah. the thing happening yeah. and something funny happens um, I remember at my mom's memorial service I caught the glance of a friend as I was walking kind of out of the church and like I had to do everything like it was the saddest I possibly could have ever been mm. I couldn't have ever been any more sad mm. than I was in that moment but someone caught me and I like started to get the giggles really mm. really bad mm. but I remember it as a really like fond memory with that person because in a way they knew that that was OK yeah. to go there. They knew me enough to sort of say, I know she's sad, yeah. but she also maybe needs a little bit of a like the, a few it, seconds. and it helped yeah. so much.
2: I remember at one of the weddings I was at with Neve, and this is something that when I sat in the car outside the house kind of going, I don't want to go in. Uh, I remember being at a wedding and the previous night I was going to bed and about five of us slept on the ground in mm-hmm. her room in like sleeping blankets or whatever. And I decided I was going to wear the socks that I was going to wear the following day to the wedding in bed with like whatever I was wearing, I can't remember. But there were like rainbow socks and they kind of nearly came up to my knees. But they were just every color under the sun. And like yeah. I could hear her just like, like yeah. bent over laughing as I sat in the car and I went <laughs> like, OK, I have to get out and see this girl. I know what faces me. But I know there's gonna be so many people there. Mm-hmm. I'm going like people knew me down there, even though I'd only really been down there a couple of times. But like they were just such kind of infectious company and everybody kind of knew them that when you met Neve you met about twenty other people yeah. because they were just there. It was like an entourage nearly, you know, yeah. and the parents were so well known and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's the laughing rather than the
1: It is, but it's also about something that you're talking about really quickly there that I've often wanted to talk about, which is that bravery of getting out of yourself and getting out and going to a wake or going to a funeral or going to a bedside of someone who's ill. Mm. And I think the thing that people forget, some people find that extremely difficult. I would actually argue that most people find that extremely difficult. But the feeling of doing it rather than not doing it, I Mm. think oftentimes is much more rewarding thing because the fear of what you're going to say and getting it wrong and Mm. being feeling so strange in the room. It's sometimes so overwhelming. People don't do it. And then they Mm. look back with regrets of saying, you know, I should have done that. Oh, I
2: think if I hadn't got out of the car. Yeah. I would have regretted for the rest of my life, yeah. and it was horrific, like there were two beautiful girls on the cusp of womanhood yeah. and on the cusp of so their many life, things, yeah. they were just like full of life and energy and love and laughter and everything, but like they were just lying there in the room that they would have auditioned so many times, and yeah. I would have seen them singing and playing there, and they were in the exact same room that they'd done all those things in that was their life, the music was their life, and they just were just there and two two boxes and... Yeah,
1: that doesn't make sense.
2: No. Yeah, and even at the night when they went to the church then I remember leaving the church kind of going, how could all these people be leaving these two girls yeah. on their own in this church? There were so many things that didn't make sense to that point but that was another one yeah. that kind of heaped on top of it. I was like, well, why is everybody going?
1: Because it's very hard to
2: have someone alive in your life, present, mm-hmm. part of your life, someone
0: that mm-hmm.
1: makes you laugh, someone that gives out to you, somebody you have great times with and then a few days later... They're gone. They're they're in a church, and they're in mm-hmm. they cl- someone's closing the door, and you're saying, "But mm-hmm. hang on, that's my friend," or "Hang on, mm-hmm. that's my child." Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing we don't give ourselves enough credit for is that that's almost impossible for your brain to make sense of. So it can't be seamless or easy. It's mm-hmm. got to be the most difficult thing you'll ever face is trying to get through those days of trying to make sense of it and those years of trying to make sense of it. I guess I don't know if you do or not, but maybe you do. Think about where she'd be today, who she'd be today.
2: At one of the weddings that we were at together, her auntie Val and uncle Bill, I met them and they were from Wolverhampton and Bill had a really croaky kind of voice, but like they were really lovely people, like really warm and gentle people and uh, Neeve didn't drink at all. So like she would just be off. Like if you went to you went to a wedding with her, but you weren't really going with her like you were kind of met 20 other people who you'd hang out with for the night and she might come in and out every yeah. now and again, even though you knew nobody She'd just <laughs> kind of leave you in the arms of these people yeah. who you presumed would get on with. But towards the end of the night, Bill and Val, I'd been talking to them all night and Bill said to me, will you do me a favor? And I said, yeah, he said, will you sign your name on this napkin? And I said, yeah, I said, why? He goes, he said, you're going to be famous or something like that. He said to me and I was like, what are you talking about? I said, sure, I'm just a normal guy. But to answer your question, I think she was the one who was going to be famous. And I wish I'd got her signature because it was destined like she wasn't going to take no for an answer. You know, it was going to happen. And it just took something completely tragic to get in her way. So,
1: yeah. Anniversaries are are big for every different reason, for so many different ways. There's the first anniversary that's almost impossible to get through and the second one could be even worse because it's a whole year that you went through without the person remembering you know like so last Christmas or whatever and then then as the years go on it becomes like a looking glass you're looking backwards into your life and you're looking back into what the past was 20 years on how do you feel coming up to this and looking back at who they were
2: Uh, I turned 40 this year so that's half of my life ago you know which is scary in itself to think that that you were that young and like to kind of experience such a tragedy as a friend of somebody who died at that age yeah. uh, to look back on it um it's difficult to believe it's 20 years because we stayed in touch with her parents and kind of felt like i've been part of their life a little bit as it's gone on like it wasn't a shutdown it's not as if it happened and i didn't hear from them ever yeah. ever again so i'm not looking back on it in that way so in a way it feels like they never really went away even though they're gone mm-hmm. but their memory has been kept very much alive you know through their parents yeah. and to the people that I knew that they knew and so it's it's been easier in that respect yeah. but uh yeah of course you wish that you could just I think I had the more I think at the at the time that Neve died I think we might have been having a little bit of a row ourselves but we were always kind of rowing up and down about things anyway so yeah is that um,
1: hard to think that no I think was it, was it nothing serious
2: I, <laughs> I think it was something really stupid yeah. uh yeah it was probably my fault but um she'd say it was anyway <laughs> and uh yeah no it's it, I, I'd, I'd only really look back and it would real fondness because you lose a friend but I felt like I've kind of found other people, like I found her yeah. parents. And I think we not me on my own, obviously, like but there's a number of people who really, really, really helped her parents through like yeah. that horrible time. Because it must be an incredibly difficult time to get through just on your own. Like, you need as much support as you can get. And like, we never subconsciously went like, oh, we better offer support to Eve's parents. It wasn't a kind of a preordained thing. Like, we just kind of did it because we felt like this was a natural instinct to do this. So, love to see her again. She'd be so famous now, she probably wouldn't even talk to me. Probably. You know, she'd probably get my people to talk (laughs) to her people or something. I don't know. So... Might catch up with me at the end of the night or something for a minute. <laughs> <We'd> <laughs> for catch an orange up on juice. old times.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ollie, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no us. problem.
2: My pleasure.